Hello and welcome to That Band Life. I'm Jeff Young, a teacher from Carmel, Indiana, and my co-host is Bobby Lambert, director of bands at Wando High School in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. That Band Life, a podcast about making our careers as music educators more fulfilling so we can be happier, healthier, more productive, and more creative. Before we begin, I want to remind you about the Dynamic Marching Shop. This podcast is coming to you ad-free, and one way you can support us is by visiting our website, dynamicmarching.com, and purchasing products through our store at some of the most discounted prices on the web, on things like shoes, rifles, podiums, megaboxes, and even concert wear. I know that many times you continue to order your products to the same people every year, but if you look at our prices, you might change your mind. We even offer deeper discounts on large orders. Please give us a chance to win your business. And as many of you know, in addition to our products, we have many videos to help educators in the classroom and on the field. This episode is coming to you from the Midwest Clinic in Chicago, Illinois. I got to sit down with nine different people over the weekend while Bobby was busy actually performing at Midwest and also chaperoning his students. So I hope you enjoy these episodes. I get to sit down with David Starnes. How are you doing today? I'm all right. How are you, Jeff? Meeting after meeting? Meeting after meeting. All right. Nonstop. That's awesome. How was the Sudler Shield thing? It was very interesting. Some yeah. very talented groups and yeah. a lot of great discussions. I can't wait to hear more about that later, but we're here to talk about tournament. Yes. So uh, we're both going to work together on this, but can you tell me a little bit about what your role is with the uh, Bands of America Honor Band? Sure. Um, my role as a program director, really, to oversee the... Uh, the logistical operations, the creative side of it, the the teaching instructional side of it, uh, and to do everything I can to support uh, whoever the director is on that given year, uh, being by our uh, Richard Salcedo this year. Um, we've done this since 2005. Uh, in 2005 and uh, 2009, uh, George Parks was the director, and then Bob Buckner served as director for 13 and 17, and uh, Richard being uh, the new guy here at uh, 21. So we're really excited about it. So what you've been on these trips before, and I've only been, you know, with the Carmel Band, and actually I went with Pomona also. But you know, as a teacher, it's different than than this this where you have bringing students from all over the place. How many students are we expecting to have? Well, we're shooting for the neighborhood of 250 students uh, to 300 in that range, uh, typically uh, year after year. Um, it's a very different process than when you're with your kids all year long, and then you show up having rehearsed. Uh, where these students actually show up uh, on the 27th of December, never having played together. Everything digitally now is a lot easier than what it was even the first go-round in 2005, but you can actually monitor that along the process of where they are in their playing and memorization. Uh, And then they get together for the first time, and we create a family within 48 hours uh, before their first live performance, which is unbelievable. And then you look at flash forwarding one week from that, they're on worldwide television performing at the Tournament of Roses. Kind of reminds me of, you know, I do the, the BOA summer symposium teaching in the summer and you, all those students who come in from all over the place not knowing each other. And two days later, you see these clicks of friends and they're like, they didn't know each other. They're from totally different areas. And all of a sudden music just brought them together. Yeah. It's amazing to see the transformation of when they first get there, they, they tend to nestle with those that they might know or from their area or their state. Uh, And then by the end of the week, it's tears and waterworks and don't want to say goodbye to people I didn't even know a week ago. So 
Well, obviously, there's very few students who are listening to this podcast, mainly geared toward band directors and music educators. So I guess my, the biggest thing I wanted to sit down and talk with you about is what what do we want directors to know? You know, we've got about two weeks, three weeks before the application deadline. What sort of student should they, you know, should they be going out and suggesting this to students? What what sort of student are we looking for and what sort of time commitment, money commitment and all that is involved? Right. So the, the time commitment um, is from the 27th of December uh, till the 3rd of January uh, is basically the time commitment. Um, and the kind of students, real simple. Uh, for me, it's character first. Like you want to send your best and brightest uh, student in terms of having great character. They can manage themselves, be on worldwide televisions, be on uh, uh, the national stage. There are a lot of there's a lot of media coverage for this group, uh, and one that tournament offers us this invitation every four years. So it's it's a window of time that if you've got a student that even if they're a freshman, they probably won't get to do this again. And if you think they're on the cusp of, are they good enough? Go ahead and submit their name, encourage them to go ahead and apply uh, because it's probably one time in a student's four years that they're going to get that uh, that opportunity. Um, as far as the, the money commitment, some of those things are still being ironed out, but it's within the $1,500 to $1,800 price range before travel. Uh, I'll say it right up front, it is not cheap, but the package that the kids are going to get and what they're going to get from this in terms of uh, Disney and California and meals and first class hotel facilities and a world class instructional staff for which you're a part of, uh, you can't buy that. And then it's a, it's an opportunity now that it's so far in advance that we see a lot of kids say, Hey, I'd like this for my Christmas because I definitely want to do this. My hometown band will never march the tournament of roses, but I can tell my grandchildren I did because I was in an all-star group. Well, there's only a handful of, of groups across the country that are going to get in on invited to something like this. And so, you know, maybe you do local parades or maybe you've done something else in your group, but I, I would suggest that directors who just know Rose Bowl's not in the future for my group, but I want to give this opportunity to these students. That would right. be really cool. And and well beyond that, if you know, I look at it this way because the very first year we did this in 2005, I had 12 kids from Kennesaw Mountain that participated in that. Over half of that group um, are music educators now, but all 12 of those every year at the Tournament of Roses always post, even from 14 years ago, this day will always mean something to me. Um, and all the way through their life, they look back at that as I once did that. And you know what those other students are going through, even though you're not a part of it right now. You felt that that morning. You felt what Colorado Boulevard was like. You know what an In-N-Out burger tastes like because we <laughs> eat it so, a least, couple of yeah. times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My biggest thing when I got to the Rose Bowl, I knew, I knew there would be a lot of people, but you kind of get past the initial stands. There's still people, 10 people deep, all five miles. Oh, yeah. Maybe all the last the half mile not. But, like, yeah. there's just so many people. And, yeah. and and they are big band fans. Obviously, the floats are a big deal in the Tournament of Roses, but that is an incredible band parade. Yeah. And and the floats even, I didn't think I'd be all that into it, but seeing them up close is overwhelming. Yeah, really it is. Cool. It is. And we yeah. actually involve that in the students' itinerary. We go to the float barns. Uh, they actually get to help decorate some of the floats uh, during that time. We do uh, performance at Disneyland. So there's a lot of the California experience immersed within this opportunity. 
I think a lot of people probably don't know about BandFest. So um, my experience, we brought our field show to BandFest and performed the whole thing. Um, what what does the the BOA group do during BandFest? We do a modified version of that, obviously, with the time constraints of teaching a show that week on term, in terms of uh, how we can present ourselves. So we'll use some of the music that we do within the parade. Uh, we'll also um, have some some set to set drill moves that actually um, get us into different stages. Um, but there's also that opportunity to say, hey, there's no band in the parade like what we do. And we highlight that American piece of it. They're dressed in red, white, and blue. Uniforms um, are awesome. They're beautiful uniforms. Yeah, and Miller. and yeah. it's, it is such a, it, it's such an iconic group um, that, you know, if the Pasadena City College Band that's in the parade every single year, people expect to see that group. You don't expect to see this group. And on the years that it does become a part of the parade, it is incredibly exciting. And for the parade people too, Jim Hahn, who's the, the band organizer for the, the Tournament of Roses, um, highlights this as one of his favorite years uh, in terms of the every four years with the Music for All National Honor Band. Awesome. Well, I can't wait to be a part of it and my small piece in that. And thank you for your leadership in all this. Absolutely. I, I assume everybody should just go to musicforall.org and get the information there. Yes, so. there's a lot of Tournament of Roses information on there, and I'd urge you to do that sooner than later. Awesome. Thanks for your time, David. Thanks, Jeff. So next, I'm sitting down here in the lobby at McCormick Place with a couple of very special people who just had a very special experience. So my co-host, Bobby Lambert, good Thanks, morning. Everybody. Tell everybody what just happened here. So I'm here with another band director from Wando High School, and we just performed at the 8.30 a.m. Thursday morning concert at the Midwest Band and Orchestra Conference. Had a great time. And this was the Wando High School. How many times have they performed at the Midwest? Clinic? Actually, this is just our second time. They performed in 2007 uh, under Scott Rush, and then this is our second one. Awesome. Lainey, how did it go today? Um, it was an incredible performance today. Um, we were so proud of the kids and all the work that they've done and just happy to see that they played really musically and were incredibly focused and professional the entire time. And you got to premiere a new work today, right? I did. I was able to premiere From Whence They Came by Leslie Gilreath. And it's been a pleasure to work on the piece. And honestly, it couldn't have gone better today. Tell us a little bit more about that piece. Um, the piece is about the Gullah tradition in the Charleston area and about those people. It's the 400th anniversary. And it was a really special moment to be able to do that and walk through a bit of their history and just share a little bit about what the area that we live in is about and where it's really from. Was it a hard one to conduct? had some challenges it in looked it. like it, it sure yeah. Did. yeah it didn't look like a grade one to me i, I don't know what what was that a grade four or five, five yeah it says it's a five i don't know that i agree with that yeah it was very tough and it, you did a great job thank you bobby what was your favorite part of the morning there were several times when we got to look out into the kids faces seeing the crowd behind us as the conductor and, you know, you tell them it's going to be a great audience who appreciates everything that you're doing, but they don't quite understand it until they saw the faces. You know, there was a line out the door about 30 minutes beforehand, and they just couldn't believe that was all for them. So that seeing that they can now understand how important music is and how special they are, that's, that's incredible. Uh, being able to connect with several of the composers and conductors who worked with us in this. Some of my favorite moments have actually been back in our band room. 
seeing a composer really connect with the kids, seeing them see that music is alive as opposed to just some notes by some old dudes who are dead. That's been that's been a great experience as well. And seeing that there are all types of composers, all types of conductors. And that was a that was a fantastic part of this whole process. Was that uh, the only piece that you commissioned was the one that Laney conducted? No, actually, we commissioned one more piece by Aaron Perrine called Live Painting. And uh, I'll tell you, probably a year ago uh, when uh, we were even thinking about Midwest, I just sort of uh, by chance reached out to him via Facebook Messenger and said, I love your works. These pieces are great. If we ever get to play at the Midwest, I'd love for you to write something. And he just said, sure. Then when we got the call that we were in, we had been talking about who do we want to write for us, and we wanted a a connection with them. And Aaron, I reached out to him immediately, and he said, absolutely, but we want a grade two piece, which he hadn't done before. And it was great to see him. He actually had his daughter, who I think is a sixth or seventh grade trumpet player, in Minnesota playing parts of this to make sure it was staying in the grade two range. He just, he really hit a home run for us. You know, you can have a piece where if you play all the right notes, it's still a fine piece and that's what his is. But if you can dig a little bit deeper, it just becomes all the more special. So Life Painting by Aaron Perrine was our second piece that we commissioned. And it was really beautiful and also featured a couple of percussionists up front. Absolutely. Was, the percussion cool. players, uh, the snare drum, the tam-tam, and the suspended cymbal. Uh, of course, there's a pianist there too, but they all play with wire brushes, kind of that idea of brush strokes. Uh, and it really came to life for us today. Greg Bim got to conduct that piece with us, and that's a pretty special one too. Um, our students have been incredible top to bottom from the moment that we arrived at the airport. Just everything they've done has been incredibly professional. Um, they've had the opportunity to see Hamilton. They'll go to the symphony tonight. They're doing some shopping. Just everything that you could really hope for an experience like this. And of course, the concert experience just puts it over the top. And like Bobby, I'm just so happy that they get to experience music like this. It's so special. Did you ever get to do anything like this when you were in high school band? <laughs> well, my high school experience and Bobby's too, they are um, not even a little bit like this at all. We are both from small towns. He, he in North Carolina, myself in Northeast Georgia. Very small programs and I never would have dreamed of doing something like this. But in college, I knew that it's something that I would want to do someday if I ever had the opportunity. And um, I think for both of us in the program, it's a dream come true. I was impressed uh, before you guys started today, you guys were both very calm. Um, And I've seen a number of directors, you can tell their their palms are sweaty and they're, you you know, outwardly though, you two are pretty calm. Did you really feel that way or was that faking it? Um, No, it really wasn't faking it. I I think parts of it are a little up and down. Every now and again, you'll get a little rush of, of something there, but... The process itself, I feel like we've done such a great job of walking through it so carefully and meticulously that because of those things and the benchmarks along the way, the people we've brought in, the way the kids have rehearsed, the way we've rehearsed them have set them up for that. And so by today, you get to the point where you're ready to let it fly. And they were too. Took away a lot of the, the, the uncertainty by just preparing them. That's great philosophy for all of what we do, I think. So my, my favorite moment of the, the performance was the last piece. And obviously it was the student's favorite, in my opinion. Um, well, it's the one that they can uh, really let loose and let all their talents show. 
So what was that piece? Uh, It's a piece by Omar Thomas called Come Sunday. And a lot of people have heard Michigan State and UT Austin and uh, Illinois State University and Tony Marinello there uh, actually commissioned that. It's a piece that really gives the idea of going to a church, an AME church specifically, especially in the South, and gives you the idea of what it's like to be joyous in what you're doing. And so we, I, we never had to work on the joyful part of it. We had to work on some of the notes because it, it just, it's basically joy personified. And the idea of being full of a spirit and letting it out. So the kids, when they got to meet uh, Omar Thomas a number of weeks ago, they just huddled around him and just wanted to hear him speak and talk about what the piece was to him and what he was about. But I think we kept talking about, we can't wait until we get to the first note of Come Sunday, because we'll have known that everything has gone really well. We'll be able to just relax and let that one go. And they did, had a great time. And you don't often hear applause in the middle of tunes at Midwest, you know, but there was some applause in the middle yeah, of that, it's, too. It's, you know, if anybody's ever been to an AME church or anything like that, they've seen that, you know, the music is such an integral part of what goes on. And the, the folks that are playing, sometimes they have formal training and sometimes they don't, but they always play with incredible heart. And, and we keep using the word joy, but that's kind of it. And the kids, there was so much technique that was in there that we had to work hard to make it not sound like there was so much technique to it. It had to sound like complete improvisation most of the time. And that's honestly harder than trying to make it sound, you know, in the box. I think that's one of the one of the things that we really wanted to do with this concert is to not just do a traditional Midwest concert and also not doing one that was just safe. Like, you know, you can come here and play maybe a little bit easier tunes and play them in a pristine way. But I think if we all think about it, when our parents and when our communities get excited about our programs, it's when we play great literature. Maybe not perfectly, but joyfully, emotionally, passionately. That's at least for us in Mount Pleasant when people have really come to our side of the program and, and really supported us. It's because they felt something at a performance. So we wanted to kind of show the different levels and the different sides of that. For, for me, I love being in English dances. Like I, I, love I remember that the too. first time yeah. I heard that piece thinking this is this is incredible. For some people, that's not it. Some people loved Rogue River. Some people like Candide, you know, make our garden grow. That was a powerful piece for us. And then come Sunday, it kind of catches everybody yeah. off guard there at the end. So it's, it's great. I felt like by the time you got to English dances, the students were relaxed. And that's what we, we knew that was going to be it. We knew that no matter what we set them up for, the first piece or the first two pieces it was going. They were going to play great, they were, but they were going to be careful rather than you know just letting it go. And and that's indeed what they did. But by the time they got to you know the middle of Candide, I think that was when they said, "Okay, we, no one has spontaneously combusted, no one has just you know suddenly forgotten how to play their instrument, and that's okay." As we hear them work, we sometimes forget. Oh, they're high school kids. That's right. And I, I don't want to treat them like that because they certainly aren't all the time. But if any parents are out there, you know your kid can act really mature until they get sick and they're in your bed. They want you to take care of them. or You know, they're still high school students, and but they still performed at such an incredible level. We're so happy. Uh, I enjoyed the performance a lot. I didn't prep Lainey for this at all, but I'm curious. Uh, female band director, first time conducting at Midwest. Who were some of your influences along the way? Do you have any 
any mentors that that uh, in terms of female or male that along the way just really you know that's an interesting question took you to this um, place we've kind of talked about this a little bit about who are the mentors um I, I think women in the field have done an incredible job. Obviously, you look up to your Paula Criders and Mallory Thompson, those ladies. Um, but coming along, I did have all-male band directors. And um, it wasn't till a good ways into college um, that I was able to experience some female directors. For me, my mentors were um, John Culvahouse at the University of Georgia, for sure. Um, past that, it really became my dad is a strong role model for me and still is at a tennis coach that certainly was, you know, things like that for me, it was more about the person that I wanted to be. And then on the podium, just going to things like Midwest and learning um, really spoke to me and I was able to go from there and try to become who I wanted to be. Carol Krieger is actually a choral director, but I learned a lot from her and my masters. And so that's, those are the folks who really were more mentor-like in my life. Thanks for sharing. I know but one of Bobby's mentors was here conducting today. I bet that was special. Um, we had Greg Bim here. Um, who are some of the other conductors that, that were well, along? Just first about Greg, it, you know, he had, for teaching for 40, almost 45 years, he had never conducted at the Midwest Clinic before. And it was an honor to get to have him work with us to do that. I mean, there's so much history there. Uh, that kind of needs, that's unsaid. That, you know, yeah. we've done that podcast before, haven't we? Yeah, we have. Uh, Dr. Scott Weiss, who is the uh, director of orchestra studies at the University of South Carolina now. He was formerly the director of bands there. He helped us with our recording process, helped us with the preparation. Just a dear person and uh, makes the University of South Carolina very, very strong. Uh, one of our uh, great person that we had with us uh, as well is Mr. Jim Keene. And Jim has been working with us for about three years. He's director emeritus at the University of Illinois. And, there are very few folks that I would trust their ears more than my own rather than him. He, and he's just a straight shooter. This is what it is, this is what it's not. So when he tells you that something is good, it's incredibly believable. He loves the kids, but he also has a commitment to the music to make it exactly what the composer wishes. So it's, it's kind of like having one of those parent or grandparent type figures that, you know, you just, uh, we're blessed to have some great people working with us. We had other people come in. Uh, Dr. Matt Stratton came in with us a little bit. Uh, Cormac Cannon from the University of South Carolina came down. Leslie Gilreath came down to work with us. Aaron Perrine. Just Set it all. I saw Kevin Set it all yeah. came down and worked with us for a little bit, who was just so incredibly powerful in getting us ready for making the music. I think that was one of the biggest things he helped us with was don't just try and be perfect be powerful and be passionate like go for those things too that was that was wonderful well i really felt like you guys did that and it must feel so good to be done <laughs> I, i'm i'm strangely i thought i would just be exhausted and ready to be finished i'm i'm sort of like i'm, I'm sad to see some of the music go I, and i guess that's the sign of a really good concert when you pick good literature you're sorry to see it go as opposed to ready to be done with it and i've done that before where i've been just so ready I think when you pick good literature, that's the sign. Like when you're, when you still feel like there could be a little bit more to do, that's when you've chosen some good stuff. So we're, we're really pleased. And thank you, Jeff, for taking the time with us. We really Absolutely. appreciate it. Yeah. Enjoy the rest of the day. Hey, this is Jeff Young sitting down with Chris Griffa here in the lobby at Midwest Clinic at McCormick Place. Hi, Chris. How you doing? Hey, Jeff. How you doing? I understand you have a clinic tomorrow. I do. I'm super excited. It's about uh, teaching students how to practice deliberately. 
Yeah, so there's a whole system involved in that? There, there is a system. It's actually based a lot on the research that's available on student practice and what the researchers have found to be successful and then my application and experimentation on trying those methods and uh, I've had a lot of success. We actually, in our school system, they switched the schedule to a block schedule about five years ago and we've had a lot of struggle. We had a lot of success prior to that when we saw our students every day. And uh, the way I was teaching practice, I thought I was actually good at teaching practice and I kind of found out that it wasn't as effective when we only saw our students five times in two weeks and then you throw in a snow day in there so that turns into four. And we were just having a lot of repeat classes. We weren't moving at the same level. We weren't uh, attaining the same levels that we were prior to the schedule change and kind of figured out it was what I was doing with teaching these kids how to practice because they do that way more than they have class with me. So we had to get better at it. So I remember when I was in middle school and uh, it was like you had to fill out the practice forms and you d it was basically just amount of minutes, right? And half the parents usually lied for their kids, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and, and part of it is if we can teach our students how to practice deliberately and the main point of it is we have to somehow connect positive emotion and success to practice and that's got to happen under our guidance and we want them to understand and know how to use the practice strategies and tools that we want them to use but we need to let them practice practicing under our guidance to connect success to that and once they understand what they can accomplish in a few minutes with deliberate focused practice they realize that they don't need to waste their time with 20 minutes, they can get a lot done in three or four minutes if they know how to do it and they understand the processes to be able to practice effectively. So a lot of our listeners probably aren't going to be able to catch your clinic because they're all over the place. And also, this will probably be aired after your clinic happens tomorrow. So where, where would they be able to get more information on, on this topic? Sounds awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So if you go to the my website, it's thehighperformingdirector.com and then backslash practice. It has all of my notes and materials are available there for anybody to look at. Speaking of the high performing director, I've been excited about this for a while. We've been talking about this for like six months, but uh, you just uh, launched your own podcast. Uh, how's that going? I did. It's been super exciting. And I think if you had asked me a year ago that I'd be doing this, yeah, I would have been like, you're crazy. Uh, but it's been awesome. And the whole premise behind the high performing director is there's so much professional development out that's about us being better for our students. There's not a ton out there about us being the best us we can be so we can be the best for our students. So the High Performing Director is kind of touches on health and wellness and music education. It's helping the teachers feel more confident, maybe even talking, try to get somebody on there to talk about financials and how we can yeah. set ourselves up as teachers to still be successful in retirement. And um, I don't have all the answers, which is why I'm so excited because I, we're going to try to find the people that can sit down and talk to us and say, hey, this is what you should be doing for retirement. This is what your school system is probably doing for you. Oh, and you should be doing this. And you probably can retire a millionaire. You know, I uh, hope so. If you want. Exactly. And, and I know that's kind of a, that number is like, what? As it for, for teachers, but it is possible. Um, but trying to get some people to know, kind of help us out with that and figure those what, things out. What have your first couple episodes been about? Sure. So the first episode was just kind of an introduction. And then I kind of talked about this concept of being the CEO of your program. Um, a lot of people kind of play, and I, and I know I fall into this too, and I think a lot of music educators do, what we call the victim mentality, where we know what we want to be or the person we want to be or the program that we want to have, but we're waiting for other things to occur 
to allow those things to happen. So if I had this support, if I had this money, if I had the students, if I had my schedule, then I could do this. And then the idea is what would a CEO do of their, uh, of their company? And the idea is they would go out and they would do it. They would be the person, they would be the CEO, act the CEO, make those decisions, solve be the that problem themselves, solve that problem. And the point is just be the person that you want to be right now. And those things will come to you because you're already being um, the person that you really want to be. Very cool. Yeah. And then the second episode was awesome. It was my first interview with Dr. Krista Keeble. She is the um, uh, music professor at Western Arkansas University. And she has research available on health and wellness in music education. So she has a, uh, a article in the Music Educators Journal, which is accessible on the podcast website on the highperformdirector.com. And uh, we were able to sit down and talk about what she's found in research about health and wellness, about how to deal with burnout, and some ways to keep yourself happy. And it falls right along in lines with what the High Performing Director is all about. Very cool. Well, I look forward to listening to more of your podcasts. And thanks for joining me today. Yeah, I appreciate it, Jeff. Thanks so much. Good luck tomorrow. Thank you.